Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're glad you've joined us to listen to a message from our pastor, Ashley Ellison. We believe God's Word is powerful and that it can be applied to our lives so that we may live victoriously. Let's join Pastor Ashley now as he shares the Word with us. Today I want to talk about a subject that's very near and dear to my heart, and it's Christianity. In fact, the title of my message today is True Christianity. I said that as we were getting ready to pray over our services with our staff, and Melanie, in her little quirkiness, you know how she can be, uh, she just real quick said, so what do you teach on every other week? If you're going to teach on true Christianity today, well, yeah, I get, the other weeks have all been about false Christianity, but today it's about true, no, it's not. It's about true Christianity, and I've titled that today because I, I just thought it was really important after we finished our culture conference and after what Dwayne actually talked about the love of God last Sunday, man, if you missed that, you've got to listen to it. It was probably one of the most powerful messages I've ever heard on God's love for us. But we in the church world... We are oftentimes religious. In fact, religion gets associated a lot with Christianity. And I'm just going to tell you what religion is. Religion is man's approach to God. That's what religion is. Religion is man's approach to God. If you want to define it, you just need to know that. Religion is man's approach to God. And the world's full of all types of religions. All types of religions. Millions of people think they're going to come back to life after death as something else. I mean, I see a possum on my back porch and I've never thought, maybe maybe that's grandma right there. I've never thought that. But there are religions that somehow think that you're going to come back to life. See, that's man's approach to God and it's all based on what they want to think, what they want to believe, and what they want to feel. That's religion, man's approach to God. True Christianity doesn't fall in this category. And a lot of Christians are religious. A lot of Christians look at Christianity as how they need to approach God. But I want to teach a different concept today that maybe you understand and maybe it just highlights some things that you already knew but never really made the application. Luke chapter 19 verse 10, Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. See, Christianity is different. God had an approach to man. Religion is man's approach to God, but Christianity is God's approach to man. And I want you to see the difference today. Because you're not going to a church that's religious. You're going to a church that believes in true Christianity. And there's a difference. Jesus came to seek you out to save you because you were lost. Jesus came to seek me out to save me because I was lost. And being a Christian should be different than having a religion. Well, I have a religion. No, no, no. God sent for us. And I want to talk today what it means to be a true Christian. A true Christian. This morning, we've started a, a, a series in our Elevation class, and I was uh, the first teacher this morning of our Legacy class, and I, I was sharing our, in our Legacy class a little bit about the vision of the church, and, and I just, I shared that this morning, but a part of that really kind of uh, made me go back and realize what God did in my heart and life. 
And I, I, I believe for a long time, even though I was saved as a boy, I just approached God from a religious aspect. Instead of realizing the reason I'm a Christian is because he approached me. But I didn't understand the fullness of that for years. Michelle and I were in a very difficult marriage before the church, years before the church started. And I, I remember going to a marriage conference and learning all the things that she needed to hear, that she wouldn't hear me tell her, but praise God, Tim told her everything she needed to hear. But as I sat there and I listened to what was being said, God really spoke to my heart and he just said some things to me that made me go, wow, 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 wow. See, in marriage, God, in Ephesians 5, compares the marriage relationship to the church and Jesus. And you can go back and read all about that, and I'm not teaching about it today, but what really is impactful about that is, is God approached his bride. That's kind of the way we do it. And before you get married, the man approaches the woman. If we're doing it not just traditionally, but biblically, and asks for her hand in marriage. Jesus approached me and asked for my hand into his for his. See, do you see the symbolic thing he was trying to show as an example of the marriage union? But here's the really cool thing. When he approached me, I realized I was in need because there was nothing I could do to get in right standing with God based on the life that I had lived. Nothing I could do. So he did what I couldn't do so I could have a relationship with God. We had got to a place in our marriage where there was nothing that I could do to win her back over based on how I had acted. And there was nothing that she could do for me to win her back over. I had to come to a place where I chose to forgive her and to, here's a, a name that's kind of in the Christian world, but you got to understand when it's not just a Christian word. I, I had to redeem her back to myself by forgiving her. She had to redeem me back to her by forgiving me because I was a bonehead and made some really bad mistakes. And she had every reason in the world to say, see you later, alligator. I don't want anything to do with you based on how you've treated me. And I worked and worked to try to get back in her good graces, but there came a day where she loved me the way Jesus loved me and forgave me in my trespasses. And she brought me back into right standing in a relationship that she should have said, see you later. I did the same for her. And when we got that principle that, that I was going to redeem her back to me and she couldn't do enough bad for me to not love her because Jesus loved me that way. I started realizing all of a sudden, man, what I have done in my life doesn't deserve being redeemed. What I have done doesn't deserve what God did for me by sending Jesus, his son, to die for me. But he did it anyway. And I don't understand it. And I don't understand why my wife took me back. I don't understand sometimes why I took her back. But it was a choice that was made out of a deeper love than what we can understand. And that deeper love that allowed us to redeem our marriage was so much bigger in what God did by sending his son to redeem me back to him. Am I making sense? 
See, I think that's really important that you understand. When I'm talking about true Christianity, I had to come to a place that I realized I didn't deserve what I was getting, but I got it. And so I accepted what he made available for me, and I accepted that gift. I, I want to read about this. That's kind of the setup for this sermon. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. And I'm just, this is basically part B from last week of what Dwayne started with his love. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who received his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Okay, let's stop there for a second. Christ loved me so much that he died for me. I therefore accept what he did and I die to myself. Are you seeing this in Scripture? There's a, there's a dying to self. Here's my problem. At eight years old, I accepted my get out of hell free card. I didn't want to go to hell. Therefore, Jesus, thank you for paying the price so I can go to heaven. So I accepted, and a lot of Christians have done that, and they've got their get out of hell free card. But they haven't died to themselves. See, they don't understand the fullness of what God's love did. All they did was accept Jesus so they don't have to go to hell. And then they live a surface-level Christianity and do whatever they want when they want. They don't live according to his word, except for that they cannot go to heaven without him, so they've confessed with their mouth that Jesus is a Lord, maybe not theirs, but a Lord, or their Lord enough to get them into heaven. They confessed enough with their mouth that they believe they got their get out of hell free. Are, are you here? See, that's what they did, but they don't understand what true Christianity is. We have a world checking a box that says they're a Christian and not doing anything really according to the word that would say they're a Christian. Verse 16. So, we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Let's stop there. Christians always evaluate others. They're always looking at someone else's life and saying, well, I'm better than they are. Drug addicts that are on the lighter drugs always say, well, at least I'm not on the heavy drugs. Christians oftentimes, they evaluate their life based on looking at how bad other people are. But we don't look to others to evaluate life. We look to Jesus. And you'll never compare. Therefore, you see your need for him. And I, I just am always sitting here going, okay, you can't do that till you've died to yourself. So I'm going on, and I'm going to have to go back, and we're going to talk about dying to ourselves. But I, as you read this, this all, you can't evaluate others until you've died to yourself. If you haven't died to yourself and you're always, well, I'm better than so-and-so, or at least I'm not as bad as them, Let's keep reading. So we stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life's gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task 
of reconciling people to him. There's another word for redeemed. Redeemed them back to him. Verse 19, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. Boy, I read that and I go, I couldn't get out of my head Tim Brooks last week, you know, during the conference going, (laughs) I know you think you're a bird, but don't jump. I know you're up on that tower thinking about jumping. It's not going to work. I don't care what you believe. It's not going to work. And we've got a world believing stupidity is going to work for them. And what makes it stupidity? It's against God's word. And when it's against God's word, it's not going to work. So we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Well, how do you do that? How do they come back to God? They can't do it in and of themselves. They've got to be saved. They've got to ask Jesus to forgive them and to recognize their need for him. Verse 21, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. If you jump over to Galatians 2.20, it says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by, by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. Do you know why we're even called Christians? Why are we called Christians? That's a good question that you ought to ask yourself. And here's why. Because people saw Christ in people. And therefore, they got the name Christian. They saw Christ in them. After he was gone, they saw that the way people were acting, the way people were talking, was like Jesus had talked. The way Jesus had acted, well, you must be a Christian. You must be one of them, those people who are acting like Jesus. I have got accused a lot in my life of acting like somebody else. I'll never forget one time a member of the church years ago stuck a key in my face, and I was waiting for a fist to come after that key. He was mad and said, all you are is a little Tim Brooks. And I thought, I'm bigger than Tim Brooks. I didn't say that because he was mad, and it wasn't a time for humor. And I started thinking about that, and I mean, for a second I heard what he said, and I thought, yeah, I don't need to be Tim Brooks. Who's Tim Brooks? And I thought, well, wait a minute here. I wonder how many people said they were little Paul. You're just little Paul. And you know what Paul said? Hey, follow me as I follow Christ. And so I asked myself, "Am, am I following Tim? Yeah, I'm following him because God placed him on my heart. His fruit was shown forth. Yeah, I'm following Tim, but I'm not following Tim above Christ. I'm following Tim as he follows Christ. Well, you're just a little, you're just a little Jesus. How horrible is that? You're a Christian, aren't you? You bet. You bet. Why? Because you're acting like, you're talking like, and you're sounding like Jesus. And I'm sick and tired of him. Well, I'm going to quit acting like I'm Jesus. Nobody thinks that, but they sure start it. 
Because all of a sudden, Christianity, they don't understand the aspects of how much of an honor it is to be called a Christian. When's the last time you were called a Christian? They were around Christ and they wanted to act like him. They wanted to talk like him. They wanted to walk, walk, walk like him. Here's what happens. If you're a Christian, then a change takes place where you start looking different than you used to. You just do. You start looking different. I've been crucified with Christ, which means it's no longer me anymore. You don't know the Ashley at 16 years old. Some of you do. You knew who he was, but if you knew me then, you know that's not me now. And I, as I live, want to be more and more like him. And hopefully, if you knew me 10 years ago, I'm a different person than I was 10 years ago. Why? Because you start looking more and more like who you're following, who you're acting like, what you're doing. A change takes place. There's a passing away, a passing away of what you were going to do, and now you're doing something different. There's just a passing away. Michelle and I, we never, ever intended to be pastors. When we got married, it was the furthest thing from our wish list. I'm, I'm just telling you, pastoring's not for everyone, and I recommend don't do it unless you're called. And you can't do anything else but that and live a peaceful life if you run from a calling. So here's what happened. I surrendered to the ministry, and I, like I said, I don't want anybody thinking you have to be a pastor to hear this message. I'm just talking about my story. And so I had other plans. But, but my plans changed. Come on. You may not change to be a pastor, but when you are operating in true Christianity, what you were going to do changes. How you entertain changes. How you live and what you do changes. I'm asking you, as you are living the Christian life, has anything changed? Or just get your get-out-of-hell-free card? I, I just, so many kids, when they get their license, they, they have their own agenda and they're out of here and I'm not coming to church anymore. They lose their fire, they lose their zest, their zeal for living the Christian life and they're, they're out of here. I watched it for years. What happened is they never died to their old self. They just obeyed mom and dad and came to church because they had to. But the second they didn't have to obey mom and dad, they were out of here. See, mom and dad never transferred the obedience to a heavenly father. They just left it with themselves. You make whatever decision you want. At some point, we've got to take this walk serious. We've got to take it serious. Did they die to their old self, to God, and culture, and their life, or did they just die to mom and dad till they could get out of your house? Ask yourself that question if you've got kids at home right now. It's real quiet in here. And I've got to talk about this stuff because if we go to church and never have our toes stepped on, then we never find out how to not have them stepped on and we'll get offended. And I love what Dwayne said. If you're getting offended by anything I say, I just want to remind you, it wasn't I who offended you. You walked in here offended. Because you need to hear what I'm saying. I'm not trying to deter from the word of God. I'm talking about true Christianity today. Now, the person I'm now is just different 
And it's continually changing and getting more and more and more and more. The old man no longer makes decisions for my life. The old man was a hobbyaholic. I couldn't play enough golf. I couldn't hunt enough. I couldn't play whatever sport I wanted enough. And I've got to watch right now anything I do that's extra in my life. i got to watch it because it can take over real quick. This is a good place for my wife to say amen, and she restrained herself, and I appreciate that. <laughs> but see, I had to die not just to hobbies, but I had to die to an old way of life. People wake up sometimes and say, well, I don't want to go to church today. Well, you need to die to that thought. That was a thought we died to. I never wake up and wonder if I'm going to church today. That man is dead. I had to crucify him. See, those thoughts had to disappear. But I'm telling you, after I was saved, I, I a lot of times woke up and said, ah, I'm kind of tired today. I stayed up late last night. I think we'll go to church next week. That thought went through my head a lot when I was younger and operating out of stupidity. Because Hebrews 10.25 says life's different. Those that are true Christians, now, now hear me today, no one should be getting offended, y'all are here. But if next week you wake up and the shoe fits, put this one on for a second and say, wait a minute, I'm obviously not dead to that old man. That old man's got to die. And it's not just that one area of church, I don't have an option of where I hang out. I don't even have an option of who I hang out with. I just I don't have an option about holding a grudge. I don't have an option about whether or not I'm going to badmouth someone. There's just some options that I've had to take off of my table. Are you getting this? I've taken options out because I had to die to the person who used to do that, and that's not an option for my life anymore. Being a Christian outwardly is measured by, by whether or not you have really died to who you are inside. You can't walk around and live a fake life all the time. You just can't. The reality is it'll come out. Eventually you are who you are. Old has passed away or the old is still there? You've got to answer that question for yourself. James says we're tempted by our own evil desires. We're tempted by our own evil desires. Here's what I can tell you. The evil desires that I had at 12 sometimes try to resurface themselves now and I have to put them back in the grave. But there are also, as I've grown older, there are new evil desires. I don't know why, but I, I desire things now that I never thought about when I was 15. I, really? I was like, stay up as late as you can. Now I'm like, uh-uh, that's not a desire for me anymore. There are things that I just don't desire that I, see, the, the desires can change, but they're still evil ones. No, I'm not talking about going to bed, but you know what I mean. They're evil desires that we still have to deal with, and you realize what they are. A man on drugs his whole life gets saved and sometimes still is dealing with the desire of drugs. I get that. I had a friend of mine. His name was John Allen. And he's gone on to be with the Lord, I hope. It's not me to know where he was, but he claimed Christianity. And he'd live it for a while, and he would tell me this story all the time. Ashley, you wouldn't believe. I walk down the street, and I will find drugs laying on the side of the sidewalk. I can't tell you how many times I'm just walking down and right there, and I know what a drug is. I know what it is, and I'm, I'm like, John, you, you're lying. He goes, no, I'm serious. It just happened to me this week. 
I'm just walking down the sidewalk, and there was something that I, I tried to resist. I'm trying to say no to that because I know if I do that, it'll lead me into something else, and it's just what I'm dealing with. And I'm just telling you, it's hard for me to say no to that, and I want to say no, but, man, it's just right there. And I, and I said, the Bible says we're tempted by our own evil desires. John, I'm going to tell you something. I've never walked down the street and saw drugs. And I just couldn't get that out of my head. Well, years later, after just thinking about that story and over, it's drugs has never been a desire of mine. But you know how many apple pies I see walking down the side? No, I'm just, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> I had to break the tension here for a moment. We are tempted by our own evil desires. Now, I don't know what it is for you, but you've got to know that there are areas of temptation, but there's none given that's not common to man, according to Scripture. And there's also none given that you can't overcome through the blood of Jesus, according to Scripture. So, I want to know, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? See, his temptations were big, but they weren't more than he could handle unless he picked it up. And he picked it up one too many times. And I preached his funeral several years ago. And I watched him a hundred times come in. And he was clean as could be. And he'd want to be around Michelle and I. And we'd hang out. And we'd start talking about Jesus and the Lord. And this is even after the church started. He came to church with us. I just... I, and I remember standing up there on that stage and just breaking my heart. That he gave in. One too many times to a temptation and sin ends in death every time. Every time it ends in death. So when sin starts being given into, you can know that you're on a road to death in that area. And it got him. See, the problems in our homes and in our churches is we have some people who need to die and they're still alive in areas that should have been put to death. And he was never able to put that to death. I pray that today you hear what I'm saying. We're missing what true Christianity is all about. How you're acting. How you're behaving. And I'm not talking about just walking down the street and picking up some drugs. I'm talking about with your waiter and waitress. Oh, pastor, don't even go there. I'm going there. It's hard. Some of you won't agree with me. And to be honest, I'm talking and you're not. So wham, wham. This, this, the old man for me, I'm just telling you, this is... I'm, I'm not trying to look at you as a priest and making confessions. I've already confessed this to the Lord, and he's dealt with me on it, and I don't do this anymore. But there was a time that the old man made every waiter and waitress prove themselves to me. If you want a tip from me now, you better serve me. My glass never should be empty. You need to be paying attention to everything I'm doing. My food should be served hot and ready, and if it's not, you're not getting a tip from me. I, I really, to tell you, I, I really like that. I still think that way in some ways. But every time I start thinking that way, I'm like, okay, that man's got to go back in the grave because God convicted me of it. And that conviction moved to an action. And I changed my way of thinking. And here's why. I was sitting in church and I had a pastor talk about this. And I thought, okay, I... I I will, I will make this change, and I'll never talk about it until I'm changed it. So you got to know, I'm not trying to condemn anyone. This is just my story. It occurred to me that my actions that I 
had done weren't getting me in right standing with God. See, what I had done in my performance was never going to get me in a relationship with God. It was never going to allow me to a place where he was happy with me. And I was making a waiter or waitress have to perform and get themselves in a place to make me bless them or love them. And the Bible says that even your enemies we're supposed to bless and pray for. And I'm sitting here making a waiter or waitress have to perform to get my love and my blessing. And I mean, when the pastor told me that, I said, I, it was at the end of that sermon. I don't remember anything else he said that day. But I remember at the end of the sermon, I asked forgiveness. God forgave me. And then I moved in to a different season of life, and I died to that old man. And since that day, I have never not been one of the best tippers at a restaurant. Do you know that waiters and waitresses' worst day of the week with tips is Sunday? Because Christians haven't got this principle. They're making them perform to a level. Why? Because we as Christians are performance-based. But I decided I needed a bunch of grace and mercy, and this person may too. And so I just needed a bunch of grace and mercy, and maybe I ought to extend that to them. See, grace is getting something that I don't deserve. They may not have deserved that tip, but they're going to get it from me. Why? Because I am looking like Jesus. See, I'm a Christ follower. I'm a Christian. They need some mercy. That means getting, see, the, the, they, they don't deserve anything, and they're not going to get what they deserve, and what they deserve is nothing. However, mercy makes me give them something. They didn't deserve it, but mercy changed that around. It flipped them for it. So I, I just choose to, to, to go down some avenues, and you know God's doing this for me all the time. He's continually bringing things up to me and going, you need to die, boy. And I have to go and repent, and then I die to that old man. And as I die to that old man, things start changing for me. And I received mercy and grace like I'd never received before in an area that I didn't even realize I was operating out of true Christianity. I wasn't in there. I wasn't doing it right. When you're acting like someone who died to the old, you quit acting like the world. And we need some people not acting like the world. Come, come on. Are you, we've got to get this. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone belongs to Christ, they're a new creature or a new creation. Old things have passed away. What do you say when someone dies? They passed away. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. They become new in your life. The guy is dead who wanted to have a fling to just put some fun back into his life. Come on, maybe that's you. The guy who is used to get mad and storm out is dead. And I'm not getting mad and storming out of the house ever again. Michelle can't say enough to me because I've redeemed her. She can't say enough to me to make me slam the door and run out and say, go find someone else. See, there, you... I'm just telling you, if some of y'all don't die to some things you're doing in your marriage, your marriage is going to die. 
But why don't you die to those things first and then you can have a good marriage? I just had to learn this stuff. And what I'm doing is I'm trying to teach something that God has laid on my heart of true Christianity is a big deal. I mean, in Scripture, when Paul got up and preached, he talked about a death on a cross. He always talked about who he was, but now this is who I am. Paul didn't go to counseling because he had killed a bunch of Christians. There was a name change. Saul was his name, and then he became Paul. Why? Because Paul was a different guy. He was so dead to the old person, his name had to change. Simon Peter, so different. Simon, 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 Simon. Uh Uh-uh, Peter. Preach a message and 3,000 people get saved, praise God. There's a different guy here. The old man's dead who liked listening to roosters. I mean, that guy's gone. Peter, the rock. There's something different about this man's life. What about you? I mean, I would have liked to have just changed my name. I seriously considered it. But it wasn't culturally acceptable, so I didn't. But how cool would that be if when we got saved and we started seeing that that old man's dead, we just changed our name? That's kind of cool, isn't it? I'm not trying to start anything. You know, you can never earn God's favor You just got to have Jesus so you can die to this junk. That's what you got to know. Peace now rules in our home. We're not yelling. We're not screaming. Our home has peace. I'm not saying that every day it's just heaven at our house and that everything's perfect. She still makes some mistakes. But I'm telling you, after you die, see, I've still got to die due to those jokes. But we we have cheapened salvation so much that we think we can get away with anything. But what I'm telling you, true salvation will allow you to die when God brings things to your attention. That person's got to die. That person, I got to get that person dead. He cannot, he keeps, I, I mean, we bury them and then we hold on to the shovel. Let me, bear, let me just dig that one back up. She said something I don't want to say. Here's the old man. Are you going to bury that guy or not? Are you going to bury that woman or not? I mean, is she gone or is she still there? On the cross, Jesus himself said, hey, it's not my will, but it's yours, God. It's not my will. I'm in the flesh, Jesus was saying, and it's not my will, but I'm surrendering my will. I'm surrendering my will to your will. Therefore, I make a choice not to live based on what I'm feeling, what my emotions are, and I'm going to die to that man so that I can die for all man. Ooh, and Jesus wasn't in sin, but he was still dealing with choices and making the right one, and he made the right one every time. I, I, I was down in Russellville, Arkansas this weekend. This is really cool. And I, I, I got a picture of their church front, and you can go online and look at it. They, they have, when we talk about our buildings being all metal and they look like a chicken coop, man, theirs is like the epitome of chicken coop stuff. It's two big old long buildings and, and, and metal all over. And I mean, it was getting dated and, and they all knew that. And Susan put this, her and her team put this new front on. And, and I, I mean, I drove up and I was like, wow, wow, wow. I mean, they must have met Jim Ernest. It looked like Jim had been there. But anyway, and so I'm looking at this thing, and I'm going, wow, this is beautiful what they've done to the front of this building. And, and, and I know that, that they, they did this because they needed something different than the old. It's not that they were in sin. They just needed something different. And here's what I heard this weekend. 
I went in bragging about it, and after it was over with, I had several people come up and say, you know, we've had that upper for several weeks. I almost forgot what it looked like. That's what they said. And I said, how cool is that? So what do you mean? I said, how cool is that that you forgot what it looked like? That's my testimony. I forgot what I looked like. I got a grace lift. About the same time, Michelle posted a picture on Facebook. Any of you that are on Facebook might have seen this. And I, I brought it in case you didn't. It's on the screen right now. Look at this. Look at this. This is this gym just a little over 10 years ago. Taken from right where I'm standing right now. Now, if you could have seen the stage, it was two metal things with some carpet that Silver Dollar City had loaned us. I'm not grateful for Silver Dollar City, but I'm glad we don't need them anymore. I'm just saying, you don't even understand what all has happened in 10 years. We don't look the same. We don't look the same. There's got to be, there's got to be some change that takes place not just 20 years ago, but every day of your life as you look more and more. Are you getting this? See, we look more and more like him, more and more like him. I, I've, seen my, I've seen it in my family. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in you, those around me. Old things are passed away. I, I want to tell you, I feel sorry for the girl who was abused, but let me just tell you, that girl is gone, and I know several in this church. I'm, I'm putting that away. I know that you didn't deserve that and it's horrible, but it's not going to wreak havoc upon your life forever. We got people trying to go out and get counseling for the old man every day. I'm going to counseling for the old man. You know what? Jesus can help you put that old man to death and you can walk out new. I understand that. I feel sorry for the problem in your marriage, but come on, you need to die. That old man's got to go. You got to quit talking to her that way. You need to quit acting that way. I feel sorry for the problems that you have. I'm so sorry for the dad you had and the way he treated you. I really am. You didn't deserve anything your daddy did. That was horrible. Maybe you were the dad. But here you go. You can die to that old man and all things can become new. A new creation in Christ Jesus. At what point? See, I feel sorry for the child. For the child. That was raised in a split home and you just didn't know. And I tried and I tried and I tried to do everything. The best thing you could do is introduce them to Jesus and let that child accept him and not hold anybody else responsible. Come on, all of us had parents that were messed up. If they were perfect, they wouldn't need Jesus. We have to understand that. I'm not throwing my mama under the bus. What I'm telling you is she knows Jesus. She's a new creation, and she looks different than she did 20 years ago. And I'm thankful for the woman she was 20 years ago. But what I'm telling you is she's daily saying this is going to be different in my life. And she was modeled by my grandfather who did that at 90 years old. Boy, I've got some things that the Lord's just working with me on. I remember him telling me. I'm like, you're perfect, Grandpa. <laughs> no. Got a lot of things that God's dealing with me on. And he died himself at 90. He died himself at 90. Old things are passed away. We got to allow the old man to die. Admit you're a sinner. 
in need of Jesus for forgiveness and reconciliation. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.